Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson. He's Andre Fernandez. Surprisingly, on the flip side, he's the one in the hotel right now in Fort Myers. I'm the one in my house. Dre, how are you? Get my Marriott points, my friend. Finally, I got I got out of the house and did something. I'm actually I'm covering baseball, but of a different sort. I'm at the state baseball championships in Fort in Fort Myers, covering some uh, some thrilling high school baseball when it's not a weather delay out here. Yeah, no, you, so got future, couple, yeah, yeah. you got a few good games in there so far. A couple state champions and a couple more potential contenders. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, we're almost at draft time pretty soon. So for people that intensely follow that kind of thing, got a chance to see some pretty good prospects out here on some of our local teams. Like one of them that stood out, of course, is uh, the Douglas High School team that's, you know, stacked, won their second state championship in a row, probably going to be national champions, you know, with guys like Roman Anthony, Jake Clemente. Chris Arroyo, like Gary, Gary, a lot of Gator signees, but guys that may not end up in Gainesville that may end up getting drafted and and signing pro. But you know, in a, in a couple, in a few weeks, when when the draft rolls around, you'll be hearing a few of those names, and, and for good reason. Yep, yep. And again, one other guy you're going to see another Gary Yol Tejeda, who again just UF here, so yep. UF got here, selfish bias. <laughs> say all just get all that out of the way now. <laughs> yeah, he plays on Tuesday, so yeah, we haven't, haven't haven't been able to see him yet here. I've seen him before, but yeah, another another guy with a lot of potential. Tall kid, lanky, you know, big, you know that 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 very downward off the mound kind of you know downward plane delivery, tough to tough to square up on. So should be should be interesting, should be fun. Yeah, and in the meantime, I've got the Marlins stuff. They just finished up a three game series with the Braves, went one and two closed out their nine-game homestand and are going to get ready to do a seven-game, three-city road trip through Tampa, back against Atlanta, and then finish up with Colorado. They're going to pass by and wave at the Panthers and and say, it's been fun, guys. We like going to your games. We'll see you guys next year. That's what they're going to do on Monday night. Yep, that's going to be – again, just as a note, this obviously publishes Tuesday, but we are recording Sunday night beforehand just – with our times, with our schedule, with Marlins having the off day Monday, and with me helping going up to Tampa on Monday to help cover Game Four for the Panthers, which may or may not at the time of this recording, it may or may not be the end of the road for them as with them down 3 at the time of this recording. But right. on the Marlins, I mean, yeah. we gotta feel like I you'll be at the trop. You'll be at the trop uh, soon enough, and and focusing on that. So. Yep, they'll be at the trop. Pablo Lopez goes Tuesday to be announced with an undetermined win-loss record and undetermined ERA goes Wednesday. But before that, with what we saw on Sunday, Sandy Alcantara looks like Sandy Alcantara again. And it's fun to be able to watch him when he pitches the way he does. He has his last three starts, and specifically on Sunday, I'm just going to jump straight into him. Uh, Fourth career complete game, first complete game of the season, uh, and just dominant from start to finish. Uh, Gave up three runs. All three were unearned. Struck out seven, only gave up six hits, 115 pitches to get his 27 outs. And his last three starts overall, going back to that last game against Arizona on the road, seven innings, one earned run against Arizona, eight innings, one earned run against the Nationals, and then nine innings, three unearned runs against uh, Atlanta on Sunday. That's two earned runs over 24 innings, a .75 ERA. And after Sandy looking shaky by Sandy Alcantara standards, 3.03 ERA through his first five starts, to see him 
finally lock it down and figure things out and get into his groove again. That's key, not just for him, but obviously for the Marlins as a whole. So they have him at the top and obviously the one-two punch of what we've been seeing from Pablo Lopez this season. Yeah, and I think it, it's it's the next step in the evolution of Sandy as a, as a true number one in this league, right? I mean, you see what he's able to do. It looks like he's worked his way out of that rough patch he had for a little while there. And the the economy, I, I love the way, by the way, if anyone hasn't read it yet, by this time that you're hearing this, um, the way Jordan broke down the start too, you know, textbook on how when you get a when you get a gem like that, you know, just dissect it. Um, but yeah, the, the I think the way he was economical with his pitches. I mean, it did surprise me that that because we know Donnie, you know, gives guys the hook when it gets dangerously close, and maybe he was one better away from that on Sunday afternoon. But he did give him some pretty good rope, and that is part of it because you see that now there's a trust factor there where he can he can push it a little more, you know, to that 115 range, and they have that trust in him, and he's earned it. But I, I love the way he mixed everything, and not just overpowering, you know, trying to blow guys away, but you saw a lot of weak contact, a lot of ground balls. He mixed a, a lot of his pitches well, and and really impressive to see, not just on sun, Sunday's the highlight but to me, but but the, the recent starts. He's put himself back in the conversation, you know, as far as potential all-star candidacy. I mean, maybe this team, as usual, only gets one. But we were talking about, you know, Pablo being that one potentially. Maybe Jazz, if he keeps having a good year on the position player side. But you can't discount the ace of the team now. I mean, he had fallen off a little bit in recent weeks, but now he's firmly back. 2-11 ERA for the year. He's the ace of the team. And again, if he if he can keep piling on a few more of these starts between now and June, I think he's make, he's making his case again, and, and that's important because you know your your ace, and you know as a colleague of ours said, uh, Joe Joe was on Twitter talking about it. I saw on Sunday too, and he's right. Your ace has to be the guy who stops the bleeding. And again, the Martins were bleeding against the Braves, and he comes in and and he's the band aid, and he and that that's what. And that's what those guys do. So it's again, it's it's another step in just the evolution of his career. It's good to see the way that he's continues to 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 progress toward that next level of being that kind of stable, effective starter, not just on this team, but in general among the better pitchers in in baseball right now. Yeah, and as you mentioned, two eleven ERA. That's as of the time of this recording, eighth in Major League Baseball among qualified pitchers. Between him and Pablo Lopez, the Marlins are the only team in Major League Baseball with two of the top 10 pitchers in terms of ERA on that are on the same team. No other team has more than one. So when you're able to see, obviously, Sandy return to form and then Pablo do what he's been doing so far this year, 1.57 ERA throughout through his first eight starts and see him start selling, obviously seeing how what will happen if, as it continues and as he starts to face teams multiple times throughout the season, see what, what adjustments he makes versus the adjustments they make. But to have that one-two punch at the top of the rotation, this team, even with how much they focused on improving the lineup, having those the horses on the mound, that's still going to be what carries them and what the foundation of this team is. And to be able to have the two of them leading that pack is instrumental for them right now. Yeah, and forgot to mention too, and in the time I did that, and the, and the timing of it of like again going back to that, how he you know an ace has to be the stopper. You know, Pablo has been great. But he had his first like big clunker of the season yeah. the other day. So good timing to have Sandy come back 
and even a few days later kind of have this kind of a game because all of a sudden if you're two best guys that can spiral fast you know what I'm early in the season as you know so so that was big on that level on that part of it too yeah and with the pitch guns you mentioned with Sandy going 115 uh Marlon manager Don Mattingly postgame said 115 was about the maximum that they were going to let him go today on Sunday of course d- depending on how the outing went if he labored through three or four innings and was at and was at 85 and 90 and you can tell that he was wor- had to really work through a few of the innings he obviously would have gotten yanked earlier but the fact that he was able to more or less cruise through through that outing on Sunday I mean there were only two innings where he had more than 15 pitches one of them was the fifth inning he threw 25 but that also had the unearned where the unearned run happened where Ozzy Albies hits a deep ball to center field Jesus Sanchez misplays it the ball drops out of his glove it's a triple and then you had a couple extra couple extra base runners in there and then other than that, it was a 16-pitch sixth inning. Everything else was basically anywhere from seven to 11 pitches. He was able to get the quick outs. And, again, that's one of the things that's great about Sandy is he may not always have the high strikeouts. He may not always be the 9, 10, 11, 12 strikeout guy, but he's able to get the weak contact, get the quick outs, and that allows him to stay on the mound longer. Whereas everyone looks at the strikeouts, you would rather – I know, at least on my end, I'm looking at how efficient they're being. If you're able to get the stri- – strike out the side and 11 pitches sure that's great but if you're needing 25 pitches to get the three strikeouts sometimes that kind of defeats the purpose of being the high strikeout guy when you can right. versus what you see from sandy who it's get ahead of the count early throw that first strike and then make them swing and make them have to get into the bat early to find ways to get out of the innings quicker lord lord of the double play right first of his yep. name yeah, what can I say? I'm a double play guy, as he said to me at the All Star Game in 2019. The yep. one and only quote I needed from him that day. I told him at that moment, I was like, "Sandy, I know the interview stuff isn't really your thing. You gave me the one line. We'll just stop there. Enjoy the rest yep. of the time." There. That's it. Not going to top that. Perfect. No. No. On the and flip then, side, though, the situational hitting is just continues to be a problem, and I, I feel like we're going to be. We'll see. I mean, it's still a lot of season left, but. You know, it goes back to the conversation we had in the last pod about, you know, if, if certain guys in that lineup don't get going consistently, it's going to be a long year at the plate in general, with some exceptions and some bright spots. But overall, you know, again, this team, you know, five for 33 with runners in scoring position. I mean, you know, a couple of sack flies in there that were, you know, that you got to sort of factor in. But overall, I mean, a lot of wasted opportunities again. And, and that again leads to that's going to lead to defeats more often than not, and, and more close losses. I mean, a, on Sunday at least it was a close, finally a one-run victory. But yeah. if you weigh the entire series, dropping the two out of three, that's one of the big glaring spots again where it kind of cost them. Yeah, no. Again, as you mentioned, the close games are six and thirteen in one-run games now. But when you look at it, nineteen of their forty games have been decided by one run at this point. And if they had a couple more of those clutch hits, which again going into uh, at, through their game played Sunday, 390 play appearances with runners in scoring position. It's 12th in baseball, but they're hitting just 226 with runners in scoring position. It's 22nd in the league. 671 yeah. OPS, 22nd in the lead. League 273 batting average on balls in play. Again, removing strikeouts, sack bunts, and home runs. 20th in the league. They only have two guys hitting above 300 with runners in scoring position. Jazz Chisholm Jr., which we've all sort of been talking about just how great he's been. 4-17, 10 for 24. Joey Wendell, 7 for 17, 4-12. Yeah. 
No one else above 300. Those two are above 400. And then and the next highest is right now. They're both well, hurt. Yep, they are both hurt. And that actually swings us into our next topic of essentially the musical chairs that we have in the infield going on right now. Uh, yep. As we talk, uh, uh, Joey Wendell's been on the IL for about 10, 11 days now, right hamstring strain. He's about to go on to a rehab assignment. The thought process, at least in my head, from what I've been gathering is he'll do the rehab assignment to, most likely through the race series and then potentially the early to rejoin them is, I would think, Friday to start the series against the Braves. It would just make the most sense. Give him three games, give him three chances to test out the hamstring, and then just hope that you give him enough time to make sure it's ready because if you take him off the IL and then first run down the base paths and it pops again, then you're basically mm-hmm. completely restarting the cycle again. Oh, yeah. So with the hamstrings, we know how tricky those are. Better so that, be sure. Yep. Yeah. Again, it's better safe than sorry. He's, he was doing base running drills on Friday. He's been taking BP every day. He looks ready, but again, you need to you need to be safe with those. Uh, Jazz Chisholm Jr., two different injuries over two separate days. Saturday in the eighth inning, Ozzy Albies slid in the second trying to steal a base, and his spikes got Jazz in the knee. Uh, he played through that on Sunday, but then was replaced in the third inning when he got hamstring tightness. Uh, Don Mattingly said it was two separate injuries. One had nothing to do with the other. And Jazz dealt with hamstrings a couple times last year and missed a couple weeks on one point, missed a week on another point. And just with how aggressive Jazz goes every single time with him trying to go 120% every time he gets a, he gets a ball in play, every time he's trying to do something, the hamstring is – very delicate part for him injury wise. And it's also part of the reason why Don Mattingly sort of tries to give him the off day every now and then try to give him, if he can, the off day before a day off in the schedule. So he gets two days off and only misses one game. So you're not losing the bat as much. And I, also, I it's, yeah, no, I was just going to say, I feel like he's the, he's the Jimmy Butler of the, of the Marlins where he plays at that, you know, balls out, go breakneck pace, but which is great and exciting, and you want to see that. But, but once in a course, while, you hold your breath, right? You start seeing yeah. the ramifications of it. And we saw it last year with, I think it was three or four different either IL stints or times where they just had to sit him for a week because he wasn't yeah. ready. They didn't want to risk anything. Yep. So, so it's like yeah. you have to handle handle him. You know, handle in terms of you hold your breath and you hope it's not serious, but. You, you you're conscious of every once in a while you could deal with little things like that, but the reward is much much greater, obviously, because of the way the, the impact that that he can have. And and real quick, going back to again, he had he had the sick game on Wednesday, yep. where completely under the weather, and 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 I mean, you could tell. I mean, even the post game, he was like bundled up and everything, and still, you know, comes out and has a has a. They lost that game too, but great performance individually and, and and coming through three different times in that game to even give them a chance to win it. Yeah, we almost had the Jazz Chisholm flu game there. Right. That's what they, the Jordan-esque performance you were hoping for, but but unfortunately they didn't finish it off. Yeah, and now the finish diving into the infield. Jazz with the hamstring and knee. Joey Wendell with the hamstring. John Birdie still coming back after testing positive for COVID. He's finally been doing baseball activities. He likely is going to join Wendell on a rehab assignment. And then Miguel Rojas has been dealing with a calf issue since the end of the Arizona trip. He got taken out of that last game with dehydration. He got taken out of the game Saturday with what they formerly called calf tightness. And Rojas has been playing through it. They took He didn't play Sunday. They feel optimistic he'll be ready to go Tuesday. But when you look at that, that's 
four of your main guys that leaves your only main non-first baseman infielder is Brian Anderson, and he's having to play some outfield with Jorge Soler dealing with back stiffness. So when you look at your options, if in that hypothetical of Wendell and Birdie not ready for Tampa and having to be cautious with Jazz and Miggy, you have Eric Gonzalez up who's been bouncing between shortstop and third base and as a defensive first guy who has an MLB track record six years with Cleveland and Pittsburgh, he's held his own having to basically be that stopgap guy. And he's been right. able to fill he's filled in nicely defensively. He's had a couple good plays. Uh, seventh inning on Sunday, leadoff single, steal second, realizes the throw, two second went wide and fell into shallow shallow outfield and took third to get him in the position right. to score with Jacob Stallings up and help them get two runs that they ultimately needed in the 4-3 game. And then your other guy, you have Joe Dunan up, who they just called back up Sunday, which yeah. we, saw what he, we saw what he did that first game in San Diego, and then right. he had to fill in for Jazz after the third inning. And well, coincidentally enough, Joe Dunan's never played second base and had to go in there in a pinch once Jazz went left the game. And held his home there, got, got on base twice with a single and a hit-by-pitch. And But once you, after those two, you're really out of – 40-man options. The only other guy you have left is Jose Devers, who we saw a little bit of last year, but is playing in double-A right now after missing a lot of time to start the season with a shoulder injury. Yeah. So he went through minor league rehab, and you don't want to have to rush him up if you right. don't have to. You don't want to rush an injured minor leaguer up or got an, a minor leaguer returning from injury because of your big leaguer. Yeah, I mean – it's it's being held together by scotch tape right now, and so that's why you hope that maybe Wendell or somebody can get back soon. But I mean, well, well, do Nan. That's what we talked about, right? I mean, that, that game, what we talked about, it was going to earn him at least that spot on the pecking order where you feel like, okay, now we can give this kid another chance, and they and they have. And then when it comes to Devers, you know, we talked about it length last year. I thought they rushed him too fast. It looked he looked overmatched. It wasn't the right. It wasn't. It wasn't good for 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 the kid to, to be up at that point. You know, I don't think it did him well. And right now, it'd probably be a little bit. Not maybe not as bad, but it would still be a little bit of a disservice if he's still building his way back at the minor league level to kind of do that again and just thrust him in there and have him face. You know, maybe be a little overmatched again. I mean, where where does that what does that do for the kid's confidence? So, I it'd be good if he if he wasn't the one that has to come up in an emergency, but you understand the desperation a little bit. You hope that the fill-in guys right now can kind of hold their own at least for a few more days until maybe Wendell comes back or and, or the injuries start to heal up. Because yeah, you're in those you're in those delicate spots there where you don't. I, I wouldn't want to see them rush Devers back up right now if they don't have to. You know, at, at least in that case. I mean, Denan, it's a different situation where this is his opportunity, like to keep showing something and i think that that's good to see at, at this point in his career but yeah I'd, I'd i'd hope that they can manage without you know having the having to go to the well a little bit too more you know a little push a little more down the, the depth chart there yeah and then the struggle is if you tried to bring up one of your other guy your triple a guys 40 man is pretty tight at this point because again remember when birdie and richard blyer come back they're both not on the 40 man right now technically while being on the COVID IL. So once the two of them come back, they're still already going to have to make another move. If I have my math correct, without those two, they're at 39. So when right. Birdie and Blyer come back, that's 41. I mean, there are yep. a couple of things they could do. There's obviously they could DFA one of the relievers. 
potentially Eric Gonzalez. I'm not sure if you'd want to do that. I mean, also, I think they may have to be at the point where if Eric Gonzalez isn't on the roster, I think they might, I think he might be out of options. So that might have to be one avenue. Or right. Paul Campbell, who we haven't really gotten an update on since he went on the IL early this year with an elbow injury, elbow or shoulder, he can easily, they could slide him to the 60 day and free up a spot that way. But yeah, it also gets tough if you're trying to bring in a guy who's on the 40 man for one or two days and then have to DFA him right away once your regulars come back and, and just place on the depth. And it's not completely imminent, but you know, Blyer already started his rehab too. So eventually you're gonna need to you know, plug him back into the bullpen there, and then you're going to have to, you know, make some room there, obviously. So, so it's, you know, mixing and matching working pieces there where, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they can tweak some of those spots uh, according to needs. Yeah, it's going to be interesting next week or so. And then also uh, just a note on that May 30th, at that point, MLB rosters have to be 13 pitchers, 13 position players. So mm-hmm. there's a thing where they could bring Blyer back and then drop a position player if they didn't want to drop a bullpen guy and have their five and have their extra reliever and only the three man bench. But by the end of the month, you have to have the you have to do the four man bench. Yeah, so a week left. Have, yeah. The roster construction is going to be a lot Less more rigid starting next week, which will right. be interesting to see how that plays out. Because Mattingly, up until bringing Dunand up as the insurance policy. He's been riding the three-man bench and going with the extra arm in the bullpen to yeah. make sure that they had the arms when needed. And they hit once that day in, back, it makes it interesting. Right. They hit that day in Colorado, right, on Monday? Uh, Yes, Monday. Yeah, so start right. of the Rocky Series. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, interesting to see how they can make the pieces fit there. But, yeah, a lot of – even that deadline also clustering things a little bit where they're going to have to do it. I mean – and injuries aren't limited to the majors. I mean, that's oh, sure the other part we wanted to talk about, right? Yeah. Mr. Again, Meyer. Yep. Max Meyer, uh, as everyone saw, his last two starts have been, to put it lightly, rough. Eight in the third innings, 14 hits, four home runs, 14 earned runs, five walks, and five strikeouts. Uh, turns out that he has been playing through injury. Uh, was He was put on the minor league IL on... Uh, I believe it was Thursday with what the team called ulnar nerve irritation. The ulnar nerve is is in your, it's basically connect related to the UCL with the elbow. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously something that needs to be severely monitored. He's supposed mm-hmm. to be, the team's supposed to reevaluate where he stands early this coming week. So hopefully we'll have a more formal update soon, but that's, a tough blow for the Marlins, especially considering, again, we've talked about starting pitching depth. We talked about what it's going to take for Max Meyer after his strong start in AAA. And now to see this setback on top of what we've seen from setbacks with their other starting pitchers in the minors. Obviously, Edward Cabrera getting the late start. Braxton Garrett and Jordan Holloway are on the minor league IL. It's just those pieces that you would hope that could be fillers if you have the injury sort of like what they have right now with Jesus Lazardo. Those options have sort of quickly become thin. And Max Meyer being the latest to, to join that group is obviously not ideal. I mean, again, but that's why, you know, for all the – I get the excitement, no doubt about it, with Max Meyer. But this is why maybe it's not as sexy, but this is why you have the Cody Poteets of the world because – And Cody Poteet did, his, did, his, did a pretty damn good job too. Yeah. Because everybody all oh, setting up Meyer immediately. No, I mean you have to 
be sure. I mean, and this is without the injury. You have to be sure that it's the right time that he's ready, even, you know, just the way he's pitching. And it didn't seem like the right time. And then he had the glaring, terrible game. But you know why now? You know, yeah, yeah, there was a reason for it. So there wouldn't have been the right time. So it's a delicate process that they went through with Cabrera. And now they're going through it with Meyer. So at some point, both of those guys will be effective options for this team. But now is not that time. And they're going to have to make it work. Luckily, that's where a guy like Poteet gives you the organizational depth that you need to give you those spot starts here and there and be effective. And if you look at the rotation right now, I mean, yeah, LES has struggled. He's starting to pitch slightly better. Like the last start he had wasn't uh, the last couple starts haven't been his, his issue is just like we talked, we talked a little bit about this before we hit the record button, but his issue isn't so much like he can give you some effective innings. It's the, it's the third turn. It's past the fifth inning, the endurance level. Ideally, He's the long reliever to me. I mean, like once once another option presents itself in that rotation, he's the long reliever guy. And that's why right now, you know, he's on the back end. You stretch as much as you can. You hope he kind of, you know, pushes you along in that spot. But eventually that's the ideal thing. So I yeah, mean that, once another option comes and Jesus Lazario comes back, because that other option right true. now is still in the Correct. right. The, right. I mean, not counting, right, not counting when they're at full strength. I mean, like yeah. in, in the in the grand scheme, putting injuries aside. When you're looking at your ideal five, once say it's Cabrera or Meyer, which whoever the two, let's say, once that the time is right, and the time could be coming up for for Edward. We're not yeah. saying anything for sure yet, but it's getting closer. Yeah. No. Yeah. Edward Cabrera's last outing on, I believe it was Friday. Yeah, Friday, six innings, uh, five hits, two earned runs, eleven strikeouts against one walk, and he threw 102 pitches. The pitch count for mm-hmm. me was important to see how yep. much he's actually built up. And again, exactly. 11 Ks in AAA. And again, there's nothing definitive yet, but with a Friday start for him, that would put him at his regular rest leading into a Wednesday when the Marlins are have their starter as TBA. It's not saying it's going to be him. It very well could be a Cody Poteet round two, which again, Cody Poteet has earned his, the ability to have another outing if given the chance. Through five right. strong innings in his outing in, against the Nationals, get easily be back out there against Tampa, and then you piece together the final three to four innings after the fact. But Edward Cabrera is starting to show that if he's not ready, he's at least closing the gap, which is good to see, especially after making his debut last year, leaving an impression, but also leaving a desire to see what's next. Sort of like what we have with Trevor Rogers in twenty in twenty twenty comes up gets through a lot, some rough outings, and then flip the switch in 2021. Marlins were hoping they'd be able to get that out of Edward Cabrera in 2022. And then he had the shoulder issue right near the end of spring training that set him back a good month to start everything up. But if he can get back and be able to get up there, it gives the Marlins, the op- gives the Marlins, some, gives the Marlins another option. Definitely. I mean, and, you know, a fun opener for you at Truist if – uh if he did make his 2022 debut out there, especially against Atlanta, that'd be, that'd be interesting to see. So, yeah, I mean, I I think it's time. I mean, I think it's long, you know, unfortunately all those setbacks that he's had, it's good to see that he's finally progressed to the point, you know, knock on wood for the next few days, nothing happens between now and then. But if they, if they decide whether it's Friday or whether it's a little bit further down the line, if they decide finally it's time for him, 
that's good because that could be again you want you hope that maybe he's that option that we just talked about maybe he's that guy man when you when you want to bring him up you you hope it's not just a you know one or, one or two starts you hope that he can finally get to that point in his career where maybe he's ready for a little more extended action in the majors yeah no doubt about it uh and i think that's going to do it for us on this week's episode of fish bites mostly because i have a flight in about 10 hours and still have some stuff i need to get done before we do everything you have uh, to go to a he- hockey funeral people yeah, leave, leave the man alone. He's gonna he's gonna get you your Marlins notebook. He's gonna get you your minor league report on Monday that you that you always like to read. But he's got to go to a hockey this uh he's got to go to a hockey dismissal on on Monday night where after the Lightning take care of the Panthers. Yep, and if they somehow win it, consider this your reverse jinx for for it, and they come alive to be able to go to FLA Live Arena at least one more time. Uh, and like Andre said, minor league report will be is going to be online Monday. An off day story taking a deep dive into some numbers is going to be online Monday and then two games in Tampa day off before Atlanta. And then a weekend with the Braves for the second weekend in a row. So this isn't the, yeah, this isn't the Panther show, but real quick, it just, they had a great year credit to them for being the number one seed overall, but they've run into the hockey version of the golden state warriors right now. The lightning are sick. They're, they're, they're making a damn good chance at a, at a, at a three peat, which is extremely yeah. rare in hockey. They ran into a buzzsaw. So yeah. I'd be shocked if they're still playing by the time people hear this. Yeah, and either way, again, Tempe Lightning, they were in back-to-back Stanley Cup champions for they – were, they were back-to-back they could, Stanley Cup They could already have a three-peat. They could already yeah. have a three-peat. I know we're diverging in the hockey here, which people didn't come yeah. to hear that, but but they could have a three-peat right now going for four. That's how good they are. But yeah, no. Jordan will be at the Trop covering Marlins' Rays, the two-gamer squeezed in between two off days. Yeah, no, and – those who follow my Twitter account, they see the hockey tweets as well, so they know this is coming from me. <laughs> well, you're you're the Swiss Army knife, man. You do. You, I mean, between that and then you know later in the, you're doing high schools, you know, on the side here and there. You know, a lot of behind the scenes stuff now in the spring, but come fall, you'll probably be at a football game doing Friday Night Lights kind of thing, and you're all over the place. Yep. And with that, that's going to do it this week. Thanks so much for tuning in, every guy, everyone, and we'll be back again next week.